stretch it out, put on the radio voice, and here we go. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. Just wanted to jump on here and throw up a quick episode uh, about all this news that's been going on with the Fantastic Four. Uh, it seems like every hour or so, some more news has been breaking about, you know, the truth behind the movie, what's, what is on Fox's fault, what's on director Josh Trank's head, and like exactly where that property is going forward. I mean, First of all, just to back it up a little bit, for those of you that aren't haven't really been following this from the beginning, there has been a shitstorm of controversy surrounding the film, of course. The casting of Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm upset a lot of fans for some reason, even though, I don't know, my, from my perspective, I didn't really think Johnny Storm had to be black or white or whatever, so... Based on his performance in Chronicle alone, that should have been enough to sort of ease fans' minds and let them know that he would be fine in the role. Which, by the way, he was. He was perfectly fine uh, cast in the film. What they did with his character, we'll get to in a little bit. But um, there was that one issue. Then there was the whole Victor Von Doom, or Victor Domashev, uh, as he was reportedly called at one point. I've heard recently on... Uh, the Fat Man on Batman podcast, which I actually mentioned on the last uh, episode of the Crooked Table podcast, that Josh Trank actually, um, he actually said that it was that was never the name. It, exact, it was always Victor Von Doom, and that that was sort of a code name that they were using so that the actors, so that the actors wouldn't be in the mindset of, oh, I'm playing this iconic supervillain, or I'm playing this superhero, um, and more to, to bring it to a more grounded level. Whether or not that's bullshit remains to be seen. Uh, I'm a little a little conflicted about that because uh, actor Toby Kebbell uh, actually has said, you know, in an interview that, um, you know, that the fans kind of heard about it, sort of implying that the fan outrage was responsible for them kind of going back and re, uh, redoing that part of his character's history and, uh, you know, his name, namely. Um so I'm not sure exactly what's going on with that. Plus, not on top of that, so you had the Michael B. Jordan thing, the Victor Domashev issue, and then Josh Trank, who was at once at one point attached to a Star Wars spinoff. I think we all pretty much think that it was supposed to be the Han Solo one. Um, basically, mysteriously didn't show up for Star Wars Celebration, saying he was ill, and then was quietly sort of removed from the project thereafter. Uh, some of the reports that I've read have said that that was resulting from conflicts between him and Fox on the set of Fantastic Four and that Disney investigated it and was basically decided to cut ties and, and go with a different filmmaker for their Star Wars project. Again, this is all, you know, rumor and one report says this and one report says this. So it might be a while before we really know um, everything and the dust sort of settles on you know, the history and the actual production of the film. Hell, who knows, one day we might see a documentary about what happened with this film, just like we have that one out now, The Death of Superman Lives, about, you know, that Superman film in the, um, I think the late 90s that was supposed to come out with Kevin Smith writing it and Tim Burton directing, um, Nicolas Cage's Superman, obviously. Um, but, so we'll see what's happening with Fantastic Four. As for the film itself, when it came out, there were a 
sort of, I mean, I actually read some where some people were saying it was living up to the hype, and then shortly thereafter, a flood of people being like, yeah, this is worse than we thought, you know, uh, <laughs> we kind of, we, we kind of going, wishing we had Michael Chiklis back in that rubber suit as, uh, as Ben Grimm, um, but regardless, I have a, I actually have a review on the film on crookedtable.com, um, where I gave it two out of five. And the thing is, it's, there's a lot of material in the actual movie that totally works. Um, in theory works. First, let me just get, get that out of the way before everybody starts yelling into their, into their computers or iPods or whatever. Um, the film does have a lot of good things going for it, namely the first the cast, Miles Teller, Kate Mara, Michael B. Jordan, um, Jamie Bell, Toby Kebbell. I mean, those are all really strong up-and-coming actors that have proven themselves in previous films. Um, I mentioned specifically uh, Miles Teller and Toby Kebbell, who have played that those types of characters before in, you know, in Whiplash and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and things like that. Um, they're both really strong. Toby Kebbell doesn't have nearly as much to do, unfortunately, um, before he disappears from the picture completely, and then later, you know, of course, reemerges as Doctor Doom. Um, but a lot of the elements going back and establishing um, the friendship between Reed and Ben early on in the film, I think that was really smart, sort of laying the foundation for the you know the adventures that would come ahead of them, and you know their their destiny to, as superheroes and all that. And they really established Reed Richards as, you know, this boy genius who who has the key to interdimensional travel. Um, and a lot of this stuff, a lot of fans have, have been s- sort of harping on the movie because it's not true. Oh, it's not true to the original comic books because it's not about interdimensional travel. It's about space travel. I'm like, well, y- yes and no, because... It was made pretty obvious from the get-go that uh, Josh Trank and his creative team were modeling this version of the Fantastic Four after the ultimate version of the comics. Um, I mean, we've which makes perfect sense. I mean, if you're trying to reboot a franchise that has already sort of gotten mixed at best re- um, notices from fans and, and critics and stuff, um, it makes sense to totally revamped the origin story. I mean, look at the original Batman and look at Batman Begins. Obviously, totally different ones. Batman Begins being much closer to the original. Uh, the less we say about Spider-Man versus Amazing Spider-Man, the better, because those are basically... Like, the first half is essentially identical, just with a different love interest in it, pretty much. Um, but the movie does a lot of, of uh, interesting uh, setup for the character dynamics, for their histories, for the whole idea of, you know, the teleporting to this other planet and this other dimension. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of early on after the incident happens, which, by the way, happens in a really, like, kind of ham-fisted way, the way that Ben Grimm is sort of s- stuck into there. I didn't, I didn't think some of the details of the way that that carried out made a lot of sense. It didn't seem like there was a lot of logic behind it. However, the first half of the film, while not amazing, was certainly 
decent, not great, not fantastic, unfortunately, as the name might hope for, but um, definitely not terrible and not worthy of this kind of like fan wrath that has been like thrown onto it. Uh, the problem is that soon after the incident takes place, you get a very brief glimpse of them all sort of coming back, you know, with their powers and and uh, sort of the scientists uh, studying them, including, you know, Dr. Storm, uh, trying to figure out what happened to them on that trip. And then it just jumps ahead and skips over. And this I said this in the review, skips over probably the best part of that journey of this initial stage would be you know what would happen if you're going to really keep it grounded like Trank clearly wanted to do and it was clearly his vision why would you skip over the part that would be and he's mentioned on numerous occasions about his love for body horror films like you know the fly and that kind of thing why would you skip over the part that would actually depict that like why would you have all this build up and it's a it's a slow build up getting everybody together and getting them on the trip there and then they come back and then they're like no we need to test it out and i don't know it was all very very ham-fistedly i keep saying that because it just feels forced um why would you skip over the part where you actually get to see these people who we've gotten to know for you know roughly whatever 45 minutes or however long it takes them to get the powers you know, when you want to see those real people that you've established waking up and being like, holy shit, my arms and legs are super stretched out or I'm, you know, I, I can't see my hands or, uh, you know, I suddenly burst into flames or I'm, I'm a rock monster. I mean, that's the stuff and the psychological effects of that that would be interesting um, to sort of explore in this movie. If you're going to take a totally different realistic science fiction based approach to the material that's sort of the meat of the story, at least in my eyes, should have been. Um, let alone the whole, you know, Doctor Doom suddenly deciding that the whole Earth, you know, the whole world needs to be destroyed and and all of a sudden have, I mean, not all of a sudden because it, it skips over, you know, spoilers, I guess. Uh, it skips over a year from the incident to when Doctor Doom ends up coming back and deciding that he has to protect, you know, this this inner, you know, this other dimension, uh, this other planet that he was on for a year. I that was obviously a mess and we'll get to that in a second. But the really the second act is where it starts to fall apart. Like all the way up to the the incident, it's not great, but it's like you could you could sort of buy into it being like okay okay I see where this is going you're they're meeting here they're studying this blah 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 this they, this guy relates to this guy this way and stuff that that's all good and fine if it's building to something but it doesn't really ever build to something that's the problem with the film uh, Michael B Jordan's character as I mentioned earlier um, he's sort of set up as this rebel with a really high iq and like super smart but never does anything with it we never really get to see that in action he's just sort of we're told that he's smart and that's why he's on this mission i guess um but that's never explored and you know i didn't i feel like i feel like most of the cast they didn't really have anything to do because their characters weren't well defined enough um if they had taken more time 
to develop that middle section and them struggling with the powers and figuring out what the hell is happening to them, that kind of thing, then we would be able to see them in more turmoil, emotional turmoil. And, you know, obviously there's conflict from there. And there's a lot of stuff in the film that they sort of set up, you know, uh, Ben blaming Reed for, for what happened and, and all of that. And they didn't really do much with it. Um, Reed trying to find a cure and feeling, feeling guilty for, for, you know, what happened to his friends, that kind of thing. Um, then this whole third act with Dr. Doom and them having to come together and the last 15 minutes, especially, it's just painful to watch because suddenly they're all a team and they're all like, Oh, this, this can't be cured. This is who we are. I'm like, since when you guys, this you guys have, we, we haven't, the, you haven't earned that, that, um, turning point. We didn't see any of that. We saw you get the powers, then all of a sudden jump ahead, and then now you're a team of superheroes, and you're going to save the world, and, and oh, what should they call us? Oh, I don't know, there's four of us, and like, oh, that's fantastic. Oh, what, what'd you say? Fantastic. Four? Damn. Roll credits. It's like, it's, it doesn't work that way. You have to establish that interconnectedness between the team before you get to that point. So that was my issue with that. That's my, my it's in a nutshell, what my review uh, kind of touches on. And you can check out, you can check that out on crookedtable.com. Uh, you know, let me know what you guys think when you, when you do get a chance to read that over. But there's a lot of evidence that the film that we saw was not what Josh Trank was intending to put out. I mean, he even tweeted this and it's dated August 6th at 9.43 p.m., and of course, it was deleted soon after because Fox or somebody probably, his agent probably saw it and it was like, oh, I pulled this shit. So director Josh Trank uh, said, a year ago I had a fantastic version of this and it would have received great reviews. You'll probably never see it. That's reality though. So that to me lends tremendous weight to the fact that his vision was clearly compromised. I mean, you have a director who, based on you know interviews that I've heard, you know, made Chronicle, which, by the way, is is a, one of the few found footage movies that I've seen that I was I would actually vouch for. Like I like I think Cloverfield is good, and I think Chronicle is good, and is from the ones that I've seen. And granted, I haven't seen that many because I feel like that gimmick is really worn out. Chronicle is probably one of the best of that genre, and um, really sort of a standout superhero movie in general, especially considering that it's not based on any source material other than the screenplay. Um, so the fact that he had handled the superhero genre so well before, and then is now basically disowning his movie, like, yeah, I don't want any part of that. You know, you guys have at it because this was not what I wanted to put out. Um, that leads me to believe that there was a lot of uh, tension on set. I mean, there's been reports that Fox kicked him out of the editing room and... And I mean, if you look at the trailers alone, there's a ton of footage in there that is nowhere to be seen in this movie. So, which would account for the jumps in time. I don't know if Fox was just like, yeah, we don't need all this like introspective, like reflective, oh, struggling with my powers stuff. We'll cut all that shit out and jump right to, oh, time to save the world, blue light in the sky. Because apparently, if you look at the Marvel movies, that's what sells. Um... I don't know if that was a bunch of material there and then Fox cut it out and just was like one year later on the screen. I don't know if that's what happened or what, but I mean, clearly there was, there's a lot of material that was on the cutting room floor that can, knowing Fox's history with comic book properties, 
we probably Trank is probably right. We probably will never see that, unfortunately. Um, it reminds me a lot of the whole issue that Sam Raimi faced on Spider-Man Three, where you know, I don't know if it was Avi Arad. I think that's who I think that's who I've read a lot was allegedly you know credited with sort of being like, no, we want Venom in this, we want this whole thing, and kind of forcing him and Sony or Marvel and Sony, not Marvel Studios, mind you, I don't think so as much at that point because they weren't really their own entity yet. Um, Marvel and Sony sort of being pushing what they wanted in the movie onto Sam Raimi, which is why we have the another mess of a superhero movie um, with three villains essentially. Um, totally different issue. This issue was there was not so much like multiple subplots stuffed into the Fantastic Four movie. This issue was the movie story was sort of the middle of the story was sort of removed essentially like you have the all the build-up and then you have this tacked on little climax right at the end where they have this big showdown i guess that is over in like 45 seconds i think um but the middle of the story where you actually get to know what's going on it was all cut out sort of like the daredevil movie which by the way daredevil another fox property well well not anymore but daredevil another fox release where they basically chopped up mark stephen johnson's original cut which you could see the director's cut on uh, on DVD, which actually, as much as people hate on the Daredevil movie, and I'm not, in no way am I saying that the movie is better or anywhere near the quality of the show that's out on Netflix, but the director's cut basically explains a story that you didn't really get from the theatrical release of Daredevil. So this whole Fantastic Four debacle sort of reminds me of that, and I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. And you know, there's been a lot of reports of Josh Trank sort of being difficult to work with on the set. And, I, you know, honestly, I wonder which came first. Him being difficult to work with and Fox being like, okay, this director is on an on an ego trip and then kicking him out and taking over the project. Or what I feel is probably more likely in this case, given the example that I just laid out, Fox coming in and taking over the project, thinking that they could sort of mold, they, they would be able to mold it into something that would work better than what Josh Trank had in mind. And then Josh Trank being difficult on set because his vision is being fucked with. That's, I mean, to me, that's probably the far more likely of the two. Um, again, I'm speculating here because all, it seems like, like I said, every few minutes I go on on social media and there's another thing popping up like oh new details on fantastic four i mean even recently earlier i believe earlier today um max landis writer of chronicle uh shared first four pages of his version of the script which had a bunch of different other things in it, other elements that are not even in this film so okay so basically this is where i stand on the now you know the issue with the film as it stands now the next thing is Looking forward, this film did not do very well at the box office this past weekend. It made $25.6 million against a production budget of, I believe, 110 120 something like that. Uh, 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. And yet, somehow, Fox still... <laughs> I don't know if they still think this, but apparently Fox still thinks that they're going to put the sequel out in 2017. I, I don't know about that. In fact, you know... Reports are coming in that Fox is going to take a $60 million hit on this film. But, of course, they're they're sticking to their story and, you know, saying, oh, we're still committed to this franchise, to these characters. 
even though rumors are flooding in that the Fantastic Four sequel is going to be scrapped entirely for a Deadpool sequel, which, by the way, looks like it might actually be truer to that character than these than this film is. And actually, based on the fact that they're seems like they're going with an R rating for Deadpool, based on the Red Brand trailer, I don't see how they could do anything else. Looks like Fox is essentially trusting its people, you know, its creative minds over at the X-Men world to sort of do their thing. But now, you know, with Fantastic Four, they're still trying to muck with it. Um, I don't know what's... I don't. It's hard for me to try and figure this out. I can't imagine Fox releasing a sequel to a film that nobody... I mean, you know, relatively, you know, relatively speaking, obviously, that nobody saw, that nobody liked... And that basically has its director being like, yeah, this is bullshit. I don't know what the fuck happened. They messed with my movie and, um, you know, basically saying, pulling a Joel Schumacher and being like, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is not what I had in mind. Um, which makes me, you know, if that is the case, as Trank is, is claiming, I feel bad for the guy, honestly. Because, I, I, like I said, I really liked Chronicle and I was excited initially to see his version of the Fantastic Four. And the fact that he may have had really good ideas for it and there's some in here, like, there's a whole subplot with uh, Ben Grimm's and The Thing. There's a whole subplot in the middle of this movie that they allude to that I, I wanted to see more of that. I'm like, wow, that's kind of dark considering, you know, what more, like, let's explore some of that and what how that's been affecting him. The fact that Trank came into this project with allegedly, you know, such enthusiasm and is had his, his film twisted, again, allegedly, uh... It's really, it's really kind of frustrating for him. And I wrote in my review, it's made the movie one of the most frustrating experiences for me to like actually sit through. Because I'm like, oh man, because this cast, this filmmaker, and like these like hints of like interesting storytelling that are just like dropped and then that are like you know introduced and then dropped, introduced and then dropped. It's like no, 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 no. We're not going to get to that. We're going to skip to the the other like formulaic bullshit basically but i can't see fox putting out a sequel to this i can only imagine that them saying they're still committed still committed to it is really a reflection of them trying to figure out their shit behind the scenes before they make an announcement to pre- you know basically present a united front basically be like no no we're still committed to this we're we're, we're good step off marvel and all you fanboys being like give marvel control because of course people have been saying this for years I mean, people have been saying this about X-Men and Fantastic Four. But, I mean, let's get real. Everybody that's still hating on the X-Men movies, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Because it's pretty clear that Fox is not letting that go at all anytime in the near future. I mean, we have three X-Men movies coming out next year. Deadpool and Gambit and then X-Men Apocalypse all taking place, you know, in the same universe. Um, so do not get... Do not get uh, impatient waiting for Marvel to get the X-Men back. Because that shit's not happening. At least not for a while. Fox is making a lot of money with that. And, you know, maybe 10 years from now when, you know, by then they'll have a new Wolverine. And they'll probably have rebooted the whole thing. Then we'll see what happens. And if that wants to, what, what they want to do with that. But Fantastic Four, shit. They're, they're zero for th- three, essentially. Yes, those first two movies made money, and, you know, with that lighthearted tone, they could sort of get away with being silly and, you know, at least be enjoyable in the sort of a campy 
campy kind of way. I mean, I'm not saying that they're great movies, but I still think they tell their stories a little more coherently than this new one because, like I said, it's essentially two-thirds of a movie. More like half of a movie. Um, so I, I don't know. I can't see a sequel coming out. So first thing, expect that sequel that's planned for 2017 to be dropped. I can't imagine that happening. Whether or not it turns into a Deadpool 2 or or you know another X-Men movie or something else, that remains to be seen. But I, the thing here is, will Marvel get control back of the Fantastic Four? That's the big question that everybody's wondering all over the internet. Uh, can Marvel and Fox come to an agreement where they either get Fantastic Four back, where they're working with, where Marvel and Fox are working together, as Marvel is doing with Sony for the Spider-Man movie? Exactly how is that going to break down? Because it's funny, right before Fantastic Four came out, reports were coming in about how Fox was still steadfast with that a live-action X-Men TV show that they really want to do, and how how they needed to work with Marvel, and I, th- I believe, to get the rights to that. Um, I don't... I don't I, if I was in Marvel's shoes, I would totally be using that shit as a bargaining chip to, you know, if they want them to do... Okay, basically being like, okay, you want to do an X-Men show, that's cool. Uh, well, we want Fantastic Four back. And it's not just the Fantastic Four, because I could see some people being like, but they can't... Marvel can't save this, or... Or give it a rest. We've had enough of that. Not another reboot like they're doing, like they're doing with Spider-Man. Um, however, you also have to keep in mind with the Fantastic Four rights, they're not just getting Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, and Ben Grimm. They're also getting Doctor Doom, Silver Surfer, Galactus. Marvel is going to need more of these cosmic villains down the line because they're about to, they're about to basically use up their Thanos card in a few years. So come phase four, they're going to need another big bad to sort of build up to. And there's not very many bads worse than, or bigger than Dr. Doom. Um, So, I mean, just for that and Silver Surfer and that alone, Galactus, I mean, shit, there you, there's your phase four, build it all around the swallower of, uh, of worlds. I believe Galactus is called something to that effect. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Like I said, I cannot imagine there being another Fantastic Four movie with Fox at this point. Just because, I mean, I I don't see a profit in it for them. I don't think that it's going to get better at this point. I mean, there's such a backlash behind this franchise. If this one didn't didn't perform well, having come out of this film and heard all the negative buzz around this film, and it seems like all there is right now is negative buzz around this film... I can't imagine them willing to take another gamble and be like, bam, we're going to do it again. Let's do a sequel to this. I mean, I know they did Rise of the Silver Surfer after the 2005 Fantastic Four, but that was actually at least profitable. And, and uh, you know, overseas and all that, it did, it did decent business. Not, you know, Avengers business, but the, hey, that's, you know, we can't all be Avengers. That was a game changer for the industry and for the genre especially. Um but yeah, I, I don't know. My my money's on them coming to some kind of deal with Marvel where they're either going to work with them or hand the rights over back to them completely. That's that's what I'm thinking. And if I'm Marvel, I'm eyeing that that franchise, especially with the, the supporting characters behind it because there's so, so much potential in there that hasn't really been tapped yet. And, you know, eventually with Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Robert Downey Jr., probably 
either going to be like slipping off of the Avengers radar or back into more supporting roles. I'm thinking big picture, and I'm thinking you need to get in some of those other um, well-known characters like Doctor Doom and Galactus and Silver Surfer. You need to get start lining them up for the next Phase Four, Phase Five, etc. Because if they want to keep this train rolling, they're going to need those characters eventually. And right now, Fox is probably frustrated enough with these with this franchise that they're willing to kind of fork it over. Not the X-Men, though. <laughs> That's the thing. So all of you that I see on Twitter and Facebook being like, they should give over Fantastic Four and the X-Men. And like, That's not happening. They are, they are whole clinging to that X-Men franchise for dear life. They don't even have Star Wars anymore, Fox. Okay? <laughs> so they're like, that's their bread and butter. They will be making X-Men movies until the end of time. If they rushed another Fantastic Four movie into development seven years after Rise of the Silver Surfer because they didn't want to lose the rights to that, trust me, they're going to keep some kind of X-Men movie going nonstop for the foreseeable future. So you guys can all just calm the hell down on that. Um, especially if they want to start branching into TV. So... Anyway, that's what I had to say about the whole Fantastic Four thing. I just thought it would be, this was a good opportunity to throw up, uh, you know, one of, a little bit of a shorter podcast, especially compared to the last one, and kind of comment and give you guys a little bit of my feedback on the film and what might, you know, what the future might hold for the Fantastic Four and the whole Marvel-Fox dynamic. So, you know, but I really want to hear what you guys have to say. So send me a tweet at Crooked Table or, you know, reach out to me on, on uh, Facebook. You can find our, our Cricket Table Facebook page there. Go on the site, read the review, let me know what you guys think. Do you think that Fox and Marvel can come to an agreement? I mean, I know there's a lot of animosity between both sides, with Marvel's basically sort of uh, cutting off uh, any promotion for the Fox characters, for the Fantastic Four and the X-Men, and canceling the Fantastic Four comic book. Do you think that Marvel has any interest in the Fantastic Four? Uh, property to begin with. Send me a tweet at Crooked Table. Let me know what you think is going to happen to Fantastic Four. And uh, I'm actually trying to work on more stuff with the podcast, trying to bring some new people on and get more topics covered. So if you guys have any suggestions, be sure to reach out to me with that. Until next time, that's all I got. Thanks for listening. Roll credits. Get out of here. Okay! And stop yelling. Sorry! This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. C-R-O-O-K-E-D! <laughs> <laughs>